0: bringing relevant and engaging insights to human resource and talent development professionals. This is Talent Champions with Diana Thomas, sponsored by Franklin Covey. Here is your host, Diana Thomas.
1: Welcome to another episode of Talent Champions. I'm Diana Thomas, and I'm honored to serve as your host. Today, we are focused on leadership, specifically around pursuing the goals of your leadership platform which builds on last month's episode, where we talked about developing a personal vision or platform. So if you missed that one, go back and listen to episode 45. We'll also focus on being a coachable leader. And I'm honored to have as my guest, Kevin Wieldy, who is a friend, colleague, and he's an expert in executive leadership and talent development. Welcome, Kevin.
0: Thank you, Diana. And I appreciate the invite to be here and looking forward to a great discussion great
1: let me fill the audience in a little more about your background because it's pretty impressive kevin is an executive leadership fellow at the university of minnesota's carlson school of management he teaches in the mba program so he's going to be sharing his expertise today without the hefty price tag he's also a business advisor to the institute for corporate productivity So in addition to being a great resource for them, he has access to some great research and he's gonna share a little bit of that with us. But probably the most noteworthy thing about Kevin is he retired from General Mills as their VP of Organizational Effectiveness and the Chief Learning Officer. Where under his leadership, General Mills won numerous awards that recognized their world-class leadership development program. You know, Kevin, I still vividly remember visiting your university, and you did this wonderful tour, and you showed us this very massive, impressive awards wall, and I kept thinking as a newer chief learning officer, wow, I hope I get just a fraction of those kind of awards in my career, so it was so impressive.
0: It was quite a run at General Mills, and I have to admit, just had a great team and wonderful support from the CEO and senior team. And, I, you know, it, it's great to get recognition externally, but more importantly, you know, you're doing great work on the inside when you see leaders develop and move on. And that's been the fun. And it's a very kind introduction. I have to admit, though, that I still consider myself a student of the game of leadership. And I'm, I'm always curious and uh, love to learn more. And, and I'm hoping to learn some things as we do this discussion. I'm really looking forward to
1: our discussion. Uh, Kevin and I are also faculty in the CLO, the Chief Learning Officers Accelerator Program, which supports new and aspiring Chief Learning Officers in their development. We work with four other esteemed colleagues and we started this, what was it, like five years ago? And this last session that we just finished, we moved everything online. I think it had like 160 students.
0: It did. And from around the world. And it was so fun to work with you and, and the other faculty to, to help raise the next generation of uh, talent leaders. And I appreciate what you're doing here with the podcast. It's the same thing with your talent champions. You're raising the next generation of great learning leaders that will have their own wall of uh, uh, nice mementos over time. Yeah, that's
1: that's our goal. So we've been peers and colleagues, and I love that we share this passion, not only for developing leaders, but for giving back to the industry. That's been wonderful to both of us and so many people. So thank you so much for agreeing to be one of my guests today. Before we get into today's topic, um, is there anything else you'd like to share about your background and what brought you to where you are today?
0: Believe it or not, I was a teenager, 16-year-old, a student, I was in a business club uh, and we had a weekend workshop on the topic of leadership. And I just was enamored with this topic of leadership and uh, group dynamics and the notion that one uh, leadership matters so much to the health of an organization and the productivity of a team, to everyone can be a leader, either formally or in formal moments. And then finally, every leader can get better. And those three things I learned that weekend uh, just has carried with me over the years. And I remember on the second day of this, this workshop, looking up at the two facilitators saying, wow, this is such a great topic. I wonder if you can get paid for doing this work. And I've been for, so fortunate with a 34-year corporate career, now seven years of teaching and advising and researching, to stick around this topic of leadership. So it, it's a passion that goes way back.
1: Wow, I didn't know it went that way back. So that's really cool. And, and anybody that's interacted with you knows how committed you are to helping others grow. And it's just who you are. Let's get a little deeper. Maybe you could start with what is your approach to developing a leader?
0: Well, clearly, as a teacher and facilitator, you have a contributing role, but really the the power and the onus is on the individual to understand those things about leadership really matters and I can be a leader and I can be better. One of the things, Diana, that I'd share with your listeners is I found that there's a cycle to develop that. If you're helping someone else develop, this is something you might want to try. If you yourself are continuing to grow as a leader, this could fine tune your game. But I break it into four parts. Uh, The first part is, you know, the way leaders really develop isn't an academic case study. You know, it isn't watching a, a TED talk. You know, the way you really develop as a leader and you bring it out from uh, your internal skills and, and instincts and abilities is to be over your head, to have a challenge, to have something that really presses you to move forward in bigger ways than you've done before. clearly lately with the pandemic we have had our challenges and then the post time about how do we recover and continue to grow and so we've had all the challenge we can but i think the important thing is to be clear where am i stretching and i call that the c in a little cpri model that i've created and i use in both teaching and coaching and it starts with identifying what is the challenge that's really stretching me now that gives me the potential for greater leadership the second part is pause that notion that most leaders are just doing 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 you know Running between Zoom meetings and emails and whatnot, and instead saying, No, great leaders and leaders that develop, step back, pause, reflect, and think about, Well, what's going on? What is the challenge? How am I showing up? Where's the gap and where I want to go? And, and that notion about reflection and pause becomes a regular routine. The third part is resources CPR resources. And the notion is, Okay, if I want to grow and I want to meet that challenge even better upon the reflection, Where are some new resources and learning I can tap into? And that could be anything from a book on a topic, a mentor, a discussion with a peer, going to a workshop, looking at some online material, listening to podcasts, of course. But getting new resources, continually looking for, okay, I've got to be fed. I've got to continue to grow as a leader. And then finally, the I in the CPRI model is intention. To be very clear on, okay, given everything I've learned, how do I show up better and differently next time? And that model repeats. Yeah.
1: I love that. I love the stepping back and reflecting on what kind of leader you want to be. And I know that we focus a lot uh, through the Chief Learning Officer Accelerator Program on really identifying up front. You open the module with talking about uh, leadership and one of our colleagues, Lisa Doyle, kind of dovetails on what you set up about having your own personal leadership story. And she was a guest, episode 14, where she talked about servant leadership and coming up with the leadership platform that really sets the purpose for the team and helps with values. So if you have a great foundation and then you're bringing in the practical piece that you just talked about, I really think that that's a winning combination.
0: It is, and, and I appreciate you having uh, uh, Lisa on the program because she she really has a lot of good things to say about leadership, and hopefully she talked about painting on the wall. I don't go that far, but one thing I did want to share just relating to that model is one thing that I sign in class in coaching is if, if you want to be intentional on in who you are and who you want to become as a leader, you got to write it down. Now, when I first started teaching in the graduate school and for the executive MBAs, uh, I would assign a paper, a big, long paper, and, okay, how are you going to develop as a leader? And students would write this very impressive 10-page plan on their strengths and weaknesses and what they've learned and blah, blah, blah. And it was a lot to read. And I realized, you know what? This is burdensome. This is way too much. They can write the paper, but putting into execution is another thing. So I've simplified it. I've simplified it way down. So now it's a one page. And that's one thing I'd share with your listeners that if you're going to develop as a leader and you're listening to to Lisa and Diane and the podcast, and and you do want to grow as a leader, you know, put something down on a piece of paper. And what I do in my class is three parts top of it. What's your legacy? What's your brand? What do you, what do you want to be known for in your next job? And be very clear on it. Something you're both passionate about and something that gives you a little bit of a stretch. And then the middle of the plan is, okay, so what are some simple steps you can start taking to reach that? And then finally, what are some things you're learning about leadership just to keep that reflection muscle going? So that, that simple one page plan, use it in coaching, use it ongoing. In fact, another program I teach at uh, in the business school, it's a 12-month program. And we have leadership sessions every once in a while. And over the course of a year, I ask the students revise the plan. So they do four plans in 12 months just to get in the habit of, okay, let me think about leadership. Let me write some things down on who I am and who I want to become. And what are some things I'm learning lately?
1: Yeah I love your practical approach. You kind of do this intersection of uh, academics and and what makes sense and research has shown your experience and just keeping it real. So what do you usually see when your students come back to their leadership plans? Do they make progress? Do they work on their goals? Uh, What are some of the successes you've seen?
0: Well as with New Year's resolutions uh, there's more than just writing it down but that's where you start. And so you you need to have reinforcement. Dan, one of those fun things I can do, particularly with the program that lasts for 12 months, is I do follow-up research on, okay, you wrote it down. You've had some great leadership development I'll put into practice. We'll come back five months later and we'll do a little resurvey for that leader and also for the raiders could be their peers, direct reports, uh, court members, uh, manager, et cetera. And we ask, okay, are you seeing this leader improving? Are you seeing effort being made on specific goals and development areas? But for the most part, uh, being intentional about your learning and stay on it matters. The, the, The highlight I'd love to share is there's about a dozen things you can do to activate a plan, right? And I went back and I studied the students that had the greatest acceleration in development and the highest ratings of improvement. And I found two things. Now, again, these are commonly known, but rarely practiced that in executing a little leadership plan, getting better, the students that did the best did two things. Number one, they told someone else. So in other words, they had a peer, a colleague, a trusted advisor, and they articulated, hey, I want to get better. And here's what I'm working on. And that could be for support. That could be for accountability. But talking to someone else about where you're headed is important. The other thing the best students did they reminded themselves. They built in systems and reminders and review routines. One thing I do in my program is I assign a, a peer, uh, so called buddy learning, and you know some buddies will talk to each other once a month. Hey, how you doing? How's your plan coming along? How can I help? And those things keep momentum and support going. So you know it's great to have a plan. It's really where leadership improvement starts. The notion about bring someone on board that can help you and you can help them, and build in reminders.
1: Yeah, great tips. So for any of our listeners who are working on a leadership platform and a leadership development plan, maybe even thinking about incorporating those two pieces, tell somebody create a learning partnership or identify a learning buddy, and then schedule time to stay focused on it. I I think it's disappointing when we work with leaders, and I know we both do a lot of executive coaching, and you see these fabulous plans put together. And then the uh, employees, students go back to their real life and it gets put in a drawer. And if that plan came to life, that leader would excel so much more. So I think your practical advice is good for all of us and a great reminder for all of us as well.
0: It's it's interesting that in in a business world where I spent you know most of my, my working career, that uh, if we treated sales the way that we treat development plans typically, the sales leader would come in once a year and tell the CEO, hey, I'm gonna grow sales 10%. Don't talk to me. I'm not going to send you reports. We'll see you in a year. It's like, no, we don't do that, right? We stay up on it. We get monthly reports. We get daily uh, dashboards. And I think that the practice of leadership and and personal development uh, requires the same, if you will, discipline. We need reviews. We need reminders. And every once in a while, we need something fun. One thing I do as students put together their known for legacy brand or the servant leadership model that uh, Lisa probably shared with you is the notion about, okay, once you've written it down and you come back to it, are you happy with it? Are you excited? Is it something like, yeah, I really want to do that. Are you know, are you afraid that, gee, if I, if I fall short, I'm going to be disappointed. And if you don't have that emotional energy behind your development, it's not going to work. One of the things that I found and I've completely changed in how I do this, it's, it's classic to do a, a 360 review at the beginning of a development journey, right? How do other people see my leadership? What are the numbers and where I need to go? And I found that sometimes that approach doesn't have as much positive energy moving forward. And I picked up a study from the University of Michigan where before they got into how other people see you as a leader through a 360, they started with that aspirational goal. Let's first step back. Who do you want to become? What does the great Diana look like in leadership? And where's your stretch? Then things like a 360, then things like development plans are in service of that leader you want to become. And I love that that process about get clear, What's important for you? What gets you excited? And if that development plan doesn't get you excited, odds are it's not going to be implemented. But if you find a spark and a passion, I think that's the magic behind the whole thing. Wow.
1: So so impressive and such a refreshing way to think about leadership development. I think about how many times I've gone in to coach a leader, and one of the first things that they'll give me, or if it's a leadership program, is they've done these three sixties. And as you said, you know, that can be distracting. People get so focused on who said what and here are some opportunities that, you know, they're they're working off a, a plan that's already limited because it's based on where they are, not where they can go and their potential. So I love the idea. And I think I'm going to coach my HR leaders as I'm working with them is to consider doing the 360 after we've already established the leadership platform. So great advice for everybody listening.
0: One th- one thing that I do in the program, when we do get to that 360 part of, okay, how are you, what's the reality right now? And, and we make out of it. Let's remind people, okay, you are a movie. You are an ongoing entity. The 360 is a snapshot. It's a, it's a Polaroid. Now, it's, it can be valuable, but I just continue to tell people, okay, when you're working on that, the first thing you do is check for fatal flaws. You know, Is there any score that's really, really low or something that's mission critical to who you are and the work you're doing that should be better? And research would show about one out of four leaders should be working on that at any point in time, right? However, 75% of the leaders, like, you know what, all you're doing is you're working on a weakness. And this is where I'll, I'll say step one, Fatal flaw, work it, right? If if, if you've got bad uh, collaboration skills and it's important in the role, if you need to be innovative, if you need to, you know, be a trusted leader and get work done and you're falling short, yeah, fix that. But I remember one day walking into my CEO office at General Mills back when the strength based leadership was just coming up and I remember saying, you know, we're going to do a new program for our top 500 leaders, all officers, all directors worldwide. It's called strength based leadership. We're going to tell people what their strengths are. And I remember Steve saying, nah, I want people to know what they're not so good at. And I said, Steve, absolutely. You know, we're going to talk about fatal flaws and we'll really, really get into trouble. And for a few leaders need to work that. But if at the end of this program, all we're doing for our best 500 leaders is reminding them of what they're not good at and continually focusing and ruminating on their weakness to get them to average. All we're going to have are average leaders. We need to go from fatal flaw, go fix it. Once you've got that, everyone's going to have a few things they're not perfect at but what could you be great at and how does that greatness fulfill your, your, your vision of who you are as a leader and that legacy statement, that brand? I think that's where leaders are built. And, and I think that's, that, that was the approach we took back at the Mills days and the approach I take now at the university.
1: Great perspective. So how can a, a leadership plan help leaders to navigate difficult times? And do you see the plan changing over time?
0: I think we're all learning new things. I just picked up some research last week. I was uh, at at a faculty encounter. One of the professors there had done this really fascinating bit of research on teams. And surprising finding on team performance, the teams that were the most disrupted, the teams that lost team members or something changed about their circumstances, she had measured the rate of learning and improvement. And those teams over time actually improved more. So in other words, stability in a team is not necessarily a good thing for learning. So if you take that perspective, and I think it's to get us out of the rut and to you know, refresh our, our, uh, our vision and perspective, I think challenging times, clearly, you know, there are things we don't want to happen that have happened. We've got to work through it. And I've seen so many leaders and so many organizations just do amazing things on resiliency and empathy and support. And I really hope those things continue. So I think it starts with what, given what I've been through. What did I look like at my best? Uh, how did I learn from others? And then how do I carry that forward? So a little bit of reflection, a little bit of that you know, intentional model based on um, reflection. And I think also ongoing support. What are the relationships I've built? Where have I helped others? And how do I keep that momentum going?
1: This has been a different year this last year. So what are some of the leadership practices that have evolved out of the events of the last year that you believe will continue to have a positive impact on organizations
0: going forward? I I think that notion about uh, in the old days, you know, pre-2020, you led best based on what you had learned. I think 2020 and beyond taught us leaders now lead based on what they need to learn, And that notion and that confidence about, okay, I can survive this. I I can help others. We can try new ways because I can learn things. So the leader of the future is is an ongoing learning leader. And I think that momentum carries us forward. I'm, I'm looking at a study right now that we recently completed at the Institute of Corporate Productivity, 600 companies worldwide asking that very question, what leadership behaviors became more important in 2020 and during the pandemic? And then what of them are going to move forward. And they found 14 things that matter to the higher performing organizations, to the organizations that had stronger cultures and stronger engagement and stronger, you know, mission and, and values based on their performance in the prior year. So really an impressive subset of that group. And, you know, some of the things were relatively common, you know, empathy, support, agility, but probably the most fascinating one is the best organizations also continue to invest in their talent while all this was going on. In fact, used the challenges of the past, the past year to challenge and to grow their talent and to try new things. I, at one organization I was talking to, they actually had the senior team get together and say, all right, here are our list of highest potential people we want to invest in. We want to accelerate their careers. Here are all the big initiatives and problem solving things going on in our company. Let's make sure we've got one person from that talent group assigned for each of these initiatives. And I just love that thinking about let's invest in the talent, let's put them on the most important things, but let's keep stretching and growing investing while we're running the business.
1: You know, it's so easy to cut back in the talent area or to see that it's not as critical for running the business. We've lived through some of this in different cycles throughout the last couple decades. And, you know, it always does come back to your people and the people are the differentiator and, you know, investing in your uh, people. But if you're a leader today, you know, investing in yourself so that you're constantly changing. I remember uh, seeing a study that showed those leaders that differentiate themselves from others or ones that continually want to grow and learn. So a continuous learner and those that have a desire to lead. And if you can have those two and you, you know, have a strong foundation that you'll continue to be relevant because this whole idea about, you know, learning to manage change was something I know I grew up still. Uh, hearing a lot about and being coached and then coaching others is, you know, how do you create the change? And the world has shifted now, as you just said, too, is you have to be able to manage in change, it's constantly going to be changing, that is just the given. And it's not about surviving the change, it's learning to manage and thrive in change, not only you, your people, but your organization
0: change leadership and learning go together and yeah i think as human beings we also want stability in our lives so i I do get a little bit of the you know i don't want to have to make everything up every day but that notion about given a strong foundation that i'm leaning in as a leader to make a difference as things keep moving and and keep changing
1: yeah Okay, well, let's turn to some of your most recent research, which I think is so exciting. You're calling it coachability, which is a little different from the concept of giving and receiving feedback. Can you explain a little bit more by what you mean by the term coachability?
0: Yeah, I'm I, happy. And for your listeners, it's something that I'd ask that you, you think about and play with this term, because it, it's really, I think, underserved in the leadership development field. It, it it goes back to a number of years ago when I was looking at leaders that were doing well and executives that weren't, and that notion about are they curious to learn and improve themselves and take in feedback and really some some strategic uh, differences I saw. But simply put, uh, if you go to Google Trends and you put in two terms and you see how the search goes, one term is how do I give feedback? And the other term to put into Google Terms as I did the other day is how do I receive feedback? What do you think, Diana, the ratio is and how many people are searching for giving it versus getting it?
1: Uh, I would have to say more people want to be good at giving it
0: tremendously it's it's like 10 to 1 it's it's an unbelievable ratio and on the surface like okay that makes sense because as leaders we're trained to you know how to be good coaches and how to help people grow and let them know but that's the sender if there isn't a sufficient amount of interest and skill on the receiver end it doesn't work it doesn't work And and i think it's so true that we're all running around trying to fix somebody else as opposed to huh How can I take it in better? So that that got me to this this topic, of coachability. I've now done about three to five years of research on the topic. It's incorporated into my development work. But the first finding I found is that leaders that move ahead in their career tend to lose the coachability. It goes from a 71% positive as rated by others as your frontline supervisor to once you become in the in the C-suite executive world, it's less than 50% positive. Now, some of that is how the organization treats you, right? So you get less feedback and all of that. But the other is we we tend to get comfortable with who we are and we don't want to keep real like, curiosity to hear from others goes down. So that's the unfortunate thing. The, the, the opportunity is, as I went back and I looked at a database of 50,000 liters in a 360 um, setting, what was interesting is the leaders that maintained their coachability, regardless of level, regardless of age, had higher levels of productivity with their team, higher levels of engagement. They were seen as better coaches, by the way, by being coachable themselves. Uh, but more importantly, uh, they were scored high on innovation and uh, lots of other very positive things, including their own potential. So that challenge about, okay, if this is so important, how do we keep it? And the research I've been doing lately is what do we learn from high potential leaders and high coachable ears that we can pass on to others and put into our practices? I think back to this image I
1: had of leaders growing up as a a young leader uh, within the organization. And I always thought those people were so confident, so strong that they had all the answers. And then I remember going through the seminar and getting this pamphlet about leadership myths. And one myth was the leaders at the top um, have all the answers. And I was like, of course they do. That's why they're there. And I think about how... I uh, moved up the ladder and started to interact with top leaders. And the best leaders are the ones that were asking great questions, really making sure that they were collaborative in, you know, how they guided where the company needed to go, because they needed that information to make the best decisions. And as a leader at the, you know, higher levels, I really appreciated team members, and the ability to connect with people to ensure that I had the right perspective. And I think about today's leaders, some of the best leaders I coach and I've interacted with are those that are really authentic and ask for feedback and create an environment where their employees feel comfortable to give them feedback. And they've got these people who will ensure that they have an accurate reflection of who they are, because we all have blind spots.
0: I love that notion about leaders that uh, both can can lead the organization, inspire people, but also they're curious and they'll take input. That's the model we're going for. But again, it's it, I want you like I want my leaders to be confident. Don't get me wrong; I talk about highly coachable leaders. I'm not saying the CEO every day should run down the hall saying, "Hey, what should I do? What should I do?" No, <laughs> I, I want confident. I want leaders to be confident. But I think that confidence and curiosity about how do I continue to learn and what's some things that could be blind spots I need to poke into. It's important to do that. And again, the better leaders find ways to do that, but it naturally declines unless you are intentional. Uh, And I I started the research by interviewing 50 executive coaches. And I said, hey, when when a client comes to you and they're highly coachable, what do you see? And when they're not highly coachable, what do you see? And then what do you do about that? From that, we got a model. From that, we've done the research. I've got a small little instrument that I think we're going to be offering your listeners uh, to kind of judge your own uh, coachability where it's currently at. But the one thing, one thing I learned on that is, okay, so given that it's a simple model about do you value it, do you seek it uh, practically and, and regularly, do you respond well when someone's giving you some feedback, do you think about it enough, and then if it's important, you take action on it. Simple model, but as with my CPR model, it's like, okay, here's a little model. How do you keep working it? Uh, and I, I've had students and, and, and people I've coached, leaders I've coached say, okay, so here's where I'm low on coachability. What do I do about it? Uh, and so we've been also studying what leaders do practically to continue their own coachability.
1: So what are some tips that our listeners, our talent champions can use to
0: become more coachable themselves? There, there's two that I typically start with and, and, and they're fun to do. The, the first one is just this very notion about, gee, you know, if I wanted to get more input from others, um, what would be some topics? So you know, brainstorming, if you will, a, a legal pad with three columns, one column being, okay, what are some topics? Am I collaborating enough? Do I see, do other people experience me as a listener? Uh, am I confident in my presentation? So whatever the topics are. And then this middle column is resources. Or sources. So where could I then get that input from? Is it the trusted peer? Is it with a friend? Is it with, um, you know, checking in with the boss? And then the final column is what's my approach? What's something I could simply do that in the next week I could pick up a few little a few, bit, a, a few uh, crumbs on okay how am I doing as a leader and what's something I could work on uh, specifically when you're doing the approach thing uh, I really like uh, what I call a two question approach and it's almost related to if your listeners are familiar with this notion of after action review that you do a little after action review when a project's wrapped up or you know something significant has you know, kind of moved ahead and you ask two questions you know what did I do well in this project I should do again. And what's something I could do differently that would make it even better? And I've used that in my career on projects. Like, okay, we wrap this up, we got this done. Even as simple as I was doing media interviews and I would have the, the head of uh, corporate communication with me on the interviews. When everything was done, I'd say, before you go, before you go, tell me two things. What's one thing I did well in this interview I should do again? What's one thing I could do differently that would make it even better next time? And just those little simple questions really unlocked a lot of value. The other thing I'd say is, you know, do you have someone you can talk to? Do you have a trusted advisor? And how often do you check in with someone on, hey, here's what's going on. What do you think? Or if you've watched me, what, uh, what do you have for me as ideas given what I'm trying to work on maybe against your one-page plan? And I remember I learned one thing way back in the day. Uh, I was rotating through assignments, uh, and I was a shop supervisor. Uh, we were making MR machines for uh, uh, GE in the 80s. I had a subsystem assembler. I had 34 technicians, two shifts. And the first Friday, I had this very important job. Back in the day, we did not have a uh, direct deposit. So what I had to do is I had to go from station to station and give the employees their paychecks, right? And I was having fun on the first Friday. And so I was kind of joshing around with them as I was giving them their paycheck. And so I'd go up to someone and say, hey, Diane, I got your check here. Big money. I'd go to someone and say, hey, I got your check here. Did you really work hard enough to earn it? Ha, ha, ha and I move on and you know I thought I was being hilarious and I remember getting around all the stations going back to my little supervisor cubicle and they're sitting in my chair my chair was Jim my lead supervisor and Jim looked up and said Kevin sit down and I sat down and he said Jim or Jim said Kevin uh you know I think you're gonna do okay on this job but I gotta tell you when you pass out paychecks just shut up and the thing that amazed me was I appreciate Jim being courageous enough to tell me that. But more importantly, if he wouldn't have, if he wouldn't have been my trusted advisor, I would have kept doing that stupid act every every second week and really alienating the workforce. And if you will, having a blind spot that uh, would get in the way of me being the leader I wanted to become. So having that sort of trusted advisor that you can check in with, that can tell you things both positive and supportive and things that are uncomfortable. I think that's a, a touchstone of being coachable.
1: Yeah, that's a great story. Very relevant. And I think back who helped me grow the most as a leader. And I would say it was my team members, some of the team members I had that took the time to give me positive feedback. You know, here's things that you do that we really like. And and like you said, constructive feedback. And I think in my book, I call it a, a personal board of directors, somebody that will help you, you grow and see this reflection. So if you can find some trusted advisors, and you go back to them, and you tell them what you're working on, and ask them those great questions, I think those are absolutely wonderful questions is ask people what you do well you want you should continue and what could you be do do differently especially leaders I found it's really hard for people to give you feedback the higher you go up and you need to keep asking it different ways you know I'll I'll coach people ask for constructive feedback three different ways because sometimes the first time you ask people are like oh I can't do that and even though they're asking I don't know if she really wants it you know what will happen so I think you know getting this relationship with other people and getting feedback, because we all do things that we don't realize how they come across, and we could be doing things more positively. So very relevant example, and and I encourage all of our listeners to think about who are your trusted advisors, your personal development board? And have you checked in with them enough? You know, because they're not going to be the ones that knock on your door. You were really lucky. What I find is you have to go seek that feedback and it, you can get it a little more readily if you ask for it than waiting for people to bring it to you.
0: There's so many ways to do that. And I'm just reminded that it's kind of a muscle, if you will. That early on in our career, we're curious, we're a sponge, we want to know and grow. And over time, we get busy, we get comfortable, and we may actually get a little bit insecure about hearing things. And so that notion about what are some unique ways that I can start bringing that, you know, information back in. And one thing I learned, I was presenting this workshop once on coachability, and someone started telling me about, the, the profession of acting and the notion about rehearsals and notes. And I'd never heard this before. And I'm sure for many of your listeners, you understand what a note taking a note is, but what I've learned is acting profession and it could be community college. It could be Broadway. When a rehearsal is done, the director gives every actor a note on here's your performance and here's what you did and here's what can make it even better. And what I'm told is in acting, you learn to take notes and it's a very positive thing, could be uncomfortable, because you don't know really how your lines are coming across, what the whole stage looks like, but the director does. And the director can give you some very valuable information to make you the best actor you can. And taking a note is, is kind of a neutral term, and I like it better than feedback, because feedback is very, uh, it's scary. Okay, okay, mm-hmm. it's feedback, and I know there's books on feedbacks, a gift and all that, but I just like the notion about the, take the mindset of an actor. You know, I'm in a performance, I'm trying to be the best I can, some days I'm better than others, but more than happy to take a note and respond in such a way that I'm listening, I'm learning, and I can continue to grow.
1: In the spirit of continuous improvement, what resources would you recommend our listeners um, check out, you would recommend to help our people continue to grow and learn?
0: It, it probably comes in, in, in two two chunks. The first chunk is the things that are quite intentional, right? So. You know, I'm going to regularly listen to a great podcast on, on talent development. I'm going to uh, and I always have my nose in a, in a good leadership book. Uh, you, by the way, you've got one of the best books out there on strategy, so let's plug that. <laughs> good reading if you haven't. Come on, listeners, get on Diana's book. Uh, I think having conversations with different kinds of people and just to check okay this week did i talk to someone a little different than my normal circle of friends and 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 work colleagues and i'm curious to go learn something so i i think both formal learning one thing i'm doing right now is i'm brushing up on my statistical analysis right so I've, i've reached out to two professor friends to help me do that piece and we have conversations from time to time and you know how are you doing on the progress and all that but i also think there's the unintentional go learn something about leadership and that usually isn't about business and organization, but it's more about, you know, side projects and hobbies and passions. I'll give an example. There, there's a guy named Peter, senior executive, uh, used to work with uh, head of engineering. Brilliant guy, brilliant guy. Uh, he was a woodworker. And so he was running this multi-million-dollar, gazillion employee worldwide organization. And at night, he would make a bench. You know, he had like this woodworking shop. And I think it was his way of renewing himself, you know, using his hands. But I think there's something about learning and leadership that happens with your hobbies. And I know that, you know, in the past year, it's been very hard to find personal time to do things. But I think the best leaders I know do something at work it's like oh that's really impressive you're learning how to get blah 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 but i was like i got a little hobby I'm, I'm trying to learn something new here i do hikes through the grand canyon with friends and i finally realized you know one of us should probably get some first aid training here so i went through and i got certified as a uh, wilderness first aid responder and i remember going through the the classes and the training and and thinking you know th- this really applies to what i'm doing or i could do that differently and so sometimes stepping out of the formal role and and the official training stuff and doing the hobby can really spark your imagination or if you will, your coachability too.
1: No, oh, that's great information. And we have an upcoming guest, Jack Groppel, and he talks about how to get maximum performance on the job. And it really is looking at things holistically and taking those times to renew yourself and regenerate your energy and do things that jazz you up that aren't connected with your job. And And I think you are a great role model. I, I was remember being so impressed when you're talking about the training that you were going through so that you you could most successfully do the the hike you hike all the way down to the bottom you stay there and you know i'm like wow talk about somebody that's constantly learning and challenging themselves and renewing that you know you must come out of that and you're on a high for what you know months
0: it uh, it causes me to go back from time to time and and with friends we've done the, actually the, the one day crossing north rim all the way to south rim don't stop and then sometimes we'll go back so we've had craziness over the years and i've had years where it's been awe-inspiring and it's been great and there's been other years admittedly that you no know, the canyon kicked my butt it was 100 degrees and i barely got myself out but i'll keep coming back and, and doing adventures jack by the way is great i had a chance to to hear jack speak uh, years ago and i love his books on uh, uh, The Power of Story and uh, Corporate Athlete. And I think he's got a new one out now that he's probably gonna share with you. So um, you must learn a lot with all these podcasts too. So that's great.
1: Yeah, when you said, you know, just have conversations, I feel like I've been so blessed to keep learning and growing because people like you who share so readily, you know, their experience and information and, you know, there's so much out there. And, you know, there's resources available to leaders today that we never had available to us we had to create our own networks and reach out to people we couldn't just google this topic and find some experts and now between linkedin and you know google and all of the wonderful podcasts and and leadership books out there and you know you don't have to read a book i think you and i have talked about this from cover to cover is just skim it and find the pieces that fit for you and work for you and use that you know you use what's available and and use uh, you know other people in the field and out of the field to inspire you and to help you learn
0: it it is an amazing era you know back in the day when I was riding my dinosaur we didn't have the internet right so we had to do things in a different way I will say though that the one danger and all that I'm thinking about doing the canyon is the delight of things like that is when you're in the wilderness like there is no internet and so there's no email there's no distraction there's no texting and sometimes the best way to learn is to get away from all of the information and just reflect and just be you, who you are, and just you know, look at the beautiful world around you. The one leadership lesson I remember—I was talking to uh, Joe Folkman, uh, senior senior executive at uh, Zenger Folkman. We're talking about the canyon hike, and uh, I was saying, how, "How do I help leaders get better at strategy?" And he says, "Kevin, when you hike the canyon, what are you looking at most of the time?" I was like, "Well, my feet. You know, and every once in a while, by the way, you're on a cliff edge. You know, you want to watch your feet. But <laughs> for the most part, it's safe. You don't, you know, you white." says, "I don't look up enough." And enjoy what I'm at and seeing where we're going and the beauty of it. And he said, yeah, that's, that's strategy. Strategic leaders look up from their, their feet, the day-to-day noise and things that need to go on, and they see the bigger picture. And I was reminded by the quote that, you know, the best leaders remind us what's important. And I think you find that importance as a leader by getting away from all the information and all the noise. And I love nature as a place to go. And again, you know, getting off the grid from time to time as well as then you know, engaging and having one-page plans and talking to people. To me, it's a nice balance, and I'm sure Jack's going to talk about those things. I
1: love that perspective. It reminded me of a conversation I had as, as I had just come into McDonald's Corporation, leading learning and development, and I was spending some time with the CEO as part of my Uh, orientation. And he said to me, Diana, do you have enough think time? And I was like, what the heck? Think time, you know, enough downtime where you could really think because that's a critical thing. And I remember in my mind, the tactical side of me, because I was, you know, was still stretching to be more strategic was, gosh, I'm so busy. What do you mean? Does he not think I'm busy enough, you know? And I'm like, how could I find more think time? But it was probably one of the most powerful lessons, because I went back and said, how do I create that think time? And you're, you're so right when you get away from the day to day everything going on and you think about who you are as a leader and where your team needs to go based on where the organization is going and where the industry is going that became a critical thing for me is to have some strategic think time to get away from everything that's going on to make sure my team and I were headed in the right direction and wow what a beautiful place to do it you know when you when you talk about the grand then- canyon
0: that is one good place to have your little happy spots here. But I, I love that notion of you know, leaders need to reflect so they can help their team to move forward. That's part of your job. Your job as a leader is not to be doing all the time. I think that's one of the other great myths. The busier I am, the bigger a leader I am. Like, no, the best leaders I know empower their team, skill up their team. They're known for that reflection type. You just, I had an image in my mind as you were talking about that. I remember one day running through the executive floor uh, at General Mills and uh, looking into the office of randy who is the head of supply chain for general mills just an impressive guy picture this i'm looking i'm looking at him he's sitting in his chair he's in the middle of his room and he's not doing anything he's just sitting there he's not looking at his screen he's not looking out the window he's just sitting there and i'm thinking oh my gosh call medical the guy's having a heart attack or a stroke it's like no. Nope. what i learned is randy will think He's sitting in his office. He's not checking email. He's not writing on the whiteboard. He is just thinking. And whether it's meditation or whether it's just some quiet time, I, I think we need to keep that as a leader. And that's your earlier question about what do you do in challenging times and continuous change? I think we need to continue to grow. We need to find inspiration in where we want to be as a leader, inspiration from others. And we just need time away and really protecting that so we can be the person that you know, the organization needs us to be.
1: Yeah, I remember having a conversation with you and you talked about your definition as a leader creates other leaders, you know, yes, you need followership, but it is about creating leaders. And I think that's a really strong perspective for people to have if they want to be successful, and they want to help their organization be successful.
0: It, it's not just about the work itself. It's not just about hey, here's my great idea. It's it's to to really to me the number one job of a leader is to build other leaders, and that should be part of the formula, whether it's delegating or whether it's back to my I4CP research that the best organizations not just survive the pandemic, they continue to grow their talent. Yeah, that's and that's such a big job.
1: Excellent information. So who is one person from your past who's had the greatest influence on your career to date? And maybe you wouldn't be where you are today without that person's influence.
0: It's hard to pick one, if I can go for two, Diana. But, uh, you know, when when you're you're out in nature, and you're kind of doing the hiking thing, you know, there's a little sledding hill, and I go up and down to practice to get ready for the canyon. And there's a lot of time to think. And I think back on who's really had an effect and it's been a series of just great mentors and people are challenging me and and things like that. I'll go back to that as a 16 year old, these two guys that were leading this leadership workshop that just gave me an introduction to my life passion and my career work and that it was Dennis and Jack. And what was so fun about it is I got to know these guys afterwards and when i was in college they brought me back to actually be on faculty with them to help teach the next generation of high school leaders and so i was a kind of a part-time facilitator and you know, you know years later i've got an advanced degree in leadership and all that but it was really dennis and jack that not just provided the topic but you know brought me on board and really nurtured me and i and i really appreciate that and i've, I've hung with them over the years and uh um, shared my gratitude for what they've done. And, and I think the thing I'm reminding myself and maybe for your listeners too, is, you know, leadership development can all be about me, me, me. And that notion about it's not just my network or my board of advisors. It's also whose network am I on? Who, who am I serving as their supporter and truth teller? Uh, and, and where do I need to give back as I'm moving forward? And that might be the final piece of learning as a leader, uh, being the, the person you'd like to be moving forward is how do I serve the people around me as, as I continue to grow as a leader.
1: That's great, it's so cool how you're paying it forward based on how you were inspired, because I would say knowing you, you inspire people with those same kind of qualities. So uh, thank you for giving back to all of us. You've given us so much advice. Is there any final piece of advice that you have for our talent champions or one thing you say, start with this?
0: <laughs> well, I think at this point in the podcast, the thing I'm reminded of is, you know, as a leader, when you're speaking at some point, you have to be done. <laughs> and I think I've covered a lot. I, you know, maybe the spirit of this for fun, anyone who's listening to this podcast, at some point, you're going to end the podcast. And I, here's my challenge to you. Before you run off to the next thing, take five minutes, just five minutes, and be like my friend Randy and just sit there. And think about, okay, did this podcast remind me of anything? Is there one thing I'd like to take out of it? Or, you know, do I want to go back and listen to some other podcasts? But I would say when this bit of this session's over with, just take five minutes, don't do anything, stay away from the noise, do a little more reflection.
1: That's great advice. Great advice for me. I'm thinking about things you've said that I know I should be doing better. So I'm going to do that five minutes when we're finished today as well. So, um, So how can our listeners get in touch with you and continue to learn more from you?
0: Probably the best way to do that is, you know, I always say I'm LinkedIn and they can reach out there. But I've got a website where anything I've learned about coachability, I've, I've got up there. It's uh, thecoachableleader.com. So if you go to thecoachableleader.com, you'll see my references and research on the whole topic and some tools and tactics uh, and access to the instrument if you'd like to give it a try. And then Kevin at the Coachable Leader would be the two places to go. So you, you've been very kind. And, and trust me, I continue to learn and every once in a while, I'm like, Oh, Kevin, you said that? Are you really living up to it? So I'll have to listen to this podcast myself so I can I can uh, be my own truth teller.
1: Great. This has been so much fun. And thank you. You are always so generous with sharing your expertise, your resources, helping us all continue to grow and be more coachable so that we can be stronger leaders, better people. Um, so it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Kevin.
0: Thank you. It's been fun.
1: Here's a summary of today's episode. Leaders develop in many ways, but most significant growth occurs through challenges when you're faced with something that pushes you to progress in larger ways than you've done in the past. Kevin's CPRI model can help us remember to identify those stretch opportunities and ensure we're learning from them. CPRI stands for Challenge, Pause, Resources, Intention. Through that model, we have the opportunity to step back and ensure we're able to learn and apply the new lessons in the future. Write down your intentions for growth as a leader. On a one-page plan, you can define your desired legacy, steps you'll take to get there, and what you're learning about leadership in the process. Over time, come back to that one-page plan to see how you're doing. Ask someone to hold you accountable to your goals for growth. This is the number one contributing factor to success Kevin has seen over and over with his students. Remember that your one-page plan may shift over time, but challenges are opportunities for growth. Research has shown that teams that face disruption actually improved more over time than their counterparts unaffected by changing circumstances. Keep the momentum of overcoming challenges and learning new things. The leader of the future is an ongoing learner. Kevin's most recent research is about coachability, which he defines as a leader's curiosity to learn, receive feedback, and improve. The tendency is for leaders who are further along in their careers to become lower on the coachability over time. Kevin describes coachability as a muscle that we all need to continue to exercise regularly. Please join us next month where we will continue the conversations around relevant and engaging talent champions topics. And sign up at talent champions.com to receive bonus information from our guests and to ensure that you don't miss an episode.
0: Thanks for listening to Talent Champions with Diana Thomas. Be sure to check out the full Franklin Covey Podcast Network by searching Franklin Covey on your favorite podcast provider.